You're listening to the Abiding Word Podcast, and I'm Pastor Sam Johnson from Abiding Word Lutheran Church in Bowling Green, Ohio. We're a confessional Lutheran church, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Join us every week and learn about the mysteries of God as revealed to us in His Holy Word, the Bible. Our sermon text is written in Luke chapter 9, beginning with the 18th verse. One time, when Jesus was praying alone and the disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah, and others say one of the ancient prophets come back to life. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. He gave them a strict command not to tell this to anyone. He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and experts in the law. He must be killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus said to all of them, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And we pray. These are your words, Holy Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Job was known as the greatest of all the people of the East. He owned thousands of animals. He had many servants. He was married and was blessed with seven sons and three daughters. But Job didn't stay the greatest. He lost all of his children and his animals in a single day. Job was tempted to give up and blame God for his suffering. But even amid all his crosses or hardships, Job rejoiced in Jesus. He looked to Christ for strength. Job's story is, in many ways, our story. We don't necessarily lose everything we own in one day, like Job, but our lives are still difficult. God doesn't promise that your earthly life will be easy. Instead, you are to bear your cross and follow Jesus. This is difficult because our sinful nature denies the cross. Suffering's hard. We're not alone, however. Christ accepted the cross for us, and because of him, we carry our crosses in Christ. We talk about a cross in our life as some difficulty or trial that we have to go through, such as an unexpected life event or sickness. In New Testament times, the word cross referred to the beams of wood that individuals were nailed upon to die. 
This is what the disciples would have thought when they heard Jesus say, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus doesn't mean that every Christian will be nailed to a cross, but he does mean that Christians will have to deny themselves and suffer. Denying ourselves means that we can't follow Jesus and our sinful desires. It requires putting to death, crucifying, if you will, our selfishness as we follow Jesus. Paul writes, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful flesh with its passions and desires. In a different gospel account, Matthew, we see that Peter didn't understand the cross, especially Jesus' cross. In fact, after Jesus explained his death and resurrection, Peter seemed horrified. Peter said, May you receive mercy, Lord. This will never happen to you. Peter implied that God would never let this happen. He showed concern, but his selfish thoughts opposed God's will. The great ignorance Peter shows is astounding, but we are ignorant as well of how God carries out salvation. Jesus then turns to Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. You are a snare to me, because you are not thinking the things of God, but the things of men. In our English translation, it almost sounds like Jesus is asking Peter for support uh, and help by saying, get behind me. But it means, get away from me. Satan means that Peter was encouraging the very work of Satan himself. This was a trap. It would catch Jesus in a death grip and keep him from fulfilling God's plan of salvation. The Greek word for hindrance indicates the triggering mechanism of a trap. If Jesus barely touched the trap, he would have failed in bringing salvation to the whole world. Peter's sinful nature spoke selfish words. Our sinful nature is the same. We want things to go our own way. It's hard to listen to others and really care about what they have to say. Even our best deeds have selfish motivations. Deep down inside, we want life to revolve around us and what we want. The sin from our fallen nature leads to eternal death, since apart from God, there is no life. Jesus states, After all, what will it benefit a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for his soul? Because of our sinful, selfish nature, we forfeit eternal life in heaven because sin separates us from God. Jesus never sinned.
Yet he said that he must suffer and die. It was God's will and plan to accomplish salvation. That's why Jesus didn't want his disciples using the word Messiah. One of the Old Testament names for Jesus, the Messiah, had become a political word for the Jews. It brought to mind thoughts of a glorious earthly kingdom. But Jesus didn't come in order to be an earthly savior and rescue the Jews from Roman oppression. He came for a far different reason. Jesus came to take upon himself our sins and their consequences. Our sins resulted in his crucifixion. In taking up his cross, Jesus fulfilled the words of Psalm 40, verse 8. My God, I take pleasure in doing your will. Your law is in my heart. Jesus denied himself to do his Father's will. Jesus knew how painful his cross and suffering would be. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father if it was his will for him to remove his cup of suffering. He knew that he would suffer eternal damnation for the sins of the whole world, but he still submitted to the will of the Father to the point of death. Jesus told his disciples he would suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and experts in the law. He must be killed. He was whipped and scourged. His body was nailed to the cross. Jesus was forsaken by God the Father and suffered eternally for your sins. He could have left the cross as true God, but he embraced it for you. Christ willingly suffered upon the cross, even eternal damnation to bring us forgiveness. He knew that his death was necessary to bring you forgiveness. After his suffering and death, Christ rose on the third day as victor over sin, death, and the devil. The cross is a symbol of shame and disgrace of sin, but at the same time, a victory over sin, death, and the devil. Jesus rose, and we also will rise victorious on account of Christ. Since Christ carried his cross, we also carry ours. It's necessary. But our sinful nature resists crosses. So, we need Jesus' help. He brings us forgiveness in our baptisms. In baptism, our old sinful Adam is buried and the new man rises to faith in Christ. Daily, the new man fights against selfish inclinations with Christ's help. It's difficult. It's a battle. We struggle because we're both saint and sinner at the same time. Peter's confession, in which he proclaims that Jesus is the Christ of God, shows he's a saint. But his words, May you receive mercy, Lord, 
this will never happen to you, show that he is a sinner. We're like Peter. We show our faith and then sin again. We're both saint and sinner. But just like Peter, Christ will not reject us. He rebukes us, but then declares to our terrified, penitent souls, I forgive you all of your sins. Christ tells us, I am with you and will help you bear your cross. Cross-bearing is one of the ways in which God keeps us focused upon Jesus' cross of forgiveness. Crosses humble us because we have no choice except to bear them. They make us look to God's word for comfort and strength instead of ourselves. With our crosses, we follow Jesus. We follow him in the word and sacraments because that's where he is. This morning, Jesus promises that he comes to us and strengthens us with his true body and blood in holy communion. When we follow him in his word, we're comforted in knowing that he knows how we feel. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. He knows your trials. He is with you every step of the way, leading you by his word and reminding you that he works all things out for the good of all who love him. When we wonder why God allows hardship or become tired fighting sin, we remember Jesus' words. A woman giving birth has pain because her time has come. But when she has delivered the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of her joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now. But I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. There is great pain during labor but the birth of a child brings with it rejoicing. In resisting our selfish nature and bearing our crosses with Christ, we are like a woman in birth with labor pains, awaiting life in heaven with our Savior. It's hard and painful while it's happening, but afterward short and insignificant compared to the eternal joy of heaven. Thanks be to God that Jesus lived in our place and accepted his cross for us. The great love and mercy Christ showed to us is beyond anything we, we deserve or can earn. In our baptisms, our sins are washed away, and we now fight against our selfish thoughts, following Christ and the way of the cross. His cross gives you the strength through the word and sacraments to bear your cross and follow him. Job definitely had his share of crosses, just like us. Even though he suffered, God eventually restored to him even more wealth than he had before, as well as more children. This is a picture of life in heaven. 
After bearing our difficulties upon earth with the help of Christ, we will be restored in heaven and receive more than we've ever had before, including eternal life in the presence of Christ himself. Amen.